Hey, you betcha sheeted listeners. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for listening to this podcast and supporting my dream and mission of lifting up women everywhere. When you listen, you're supporting women entrepreneurs and leaders and celebrating them. So thank you so much for doing that. Speaking of supporting women, um, with the Thanksgiving holiday and Small Business Saturday almost upon us, don't forget to shop local and support women-owned businesses. There are tons of women-owned businesses out there. If you need some ideas, look through my previous episodes for inspiration. You Betcha She Did is brought to you by the Ladies First Digital Media Company, helping women entrepreneurs be seen and heard through podcasts and YouTube channels. Learn more at their website, www.ladiesfirstdigitalmedia.com, and reach out to me, Raina Rukiki. Did she really do that? You betcha she did. Hello and welcome to You Betcha She Did, the podcast where women entrepreneurs and females who have paved the way share their wit and wisdom. Today, I have a fantastic woman who is changing the dance world one movement at a time. Not only is she a dance instructor in the Sheboygan Area School District, which is very unusual. I don't know many school districts that have dance instructors. She also has had her own dance company, and she's been a visiting professor at the Peck School of the Arts at UW-Milwaukee. Welcome to the show, Molly King. Yes, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yay, I'm so happy to have you. So for those who who might know us, Molly and I have known each other for a long time. In fact, um, we both went to the Peck School of the Arts dance program at UW-Milwaukee back in the early-ish 2000s, and we've been friends ever since. So Molly, um, talk to our listeners a little bit about, you know, your dance career. What happened after you graduated college? Yeah, I wasn't too sure that I would actually do anything with dance. I had a pretty negative experience when I was growing up um, with dancing. And so for a while there, I never really considered myself a dancer. I was a part of a ballet academy and the director and owner of the school pretty much told me (laughs) when I became a female with my, you know, like grew breasts and had hips. And that was not okay at this ballet academy because I didn't fit that mold anymore. Um, And I remember asking him, well, could I just stay and take class? And I was told like, no, you, you got to go. You oh, wow. Be a part of this anymore. Um, you're not going to be a ballet dancer. I Pretty much you're just a waste of space was pretty much what he said to me. And so that was really hard because I was 30 years old. I was going to say, that's so crazy. I hope that's not still happening today. I, I'd hope not. I'd hope not. He was very old school, taught, you know, very strict Russian ballet. And so he came, you know, to the ballet world in the way that he had only known it. But as a 13 year old, that was really difficult for me to be told already, you're having like body issues as a young female and then being told, oh, your body is not great for dancing, you know, and can't be part of this anymore. So that it took a hit for me. Um, but then I found myself really reaching back to the German folk dance group that I was a part of. And so became more involved with that. So when I got to college, 
I started taking all these dance classes just for fun because I could in my schedule. Um, and I remember at the time I went to school to become a nurse and my nursing advisor was like, I think you chose the wrong major. What are you doing? <laughs> You're not taking any like science classes and all the things you need to do. And so she's like, you need to talk to the dance department. So I was super happy to find my mentor, Dr. Marsha Parsons, and she was able to kind of set the path for me in terms of that the dancing world was changing and that there wasn't really a set body type that UW Milwaukee's dance program was focusing more on modern dance and some of more of those community forms. Um, so she really pushed me into rethinking my career. And I'm so happy that she did because now I've been teaching dance, something that I really love for the last 17 years and have been working with the Etude Group schools since then. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, you, you kind of started off talking about how, you know, when people think of traditional dance like ballet, there's very strict forms and apparently body types, but that's changed or it has changed. And you're definitely changed that, changing that in the um, Sheboygan area. So talk a little bit about the forms that you teach and how you teach at the Etude schools. Yeah, I really like to focus my dance classes in on community-based forms, um, because I have so many students coming from various backgrounds. I have some students that are able to take dance outside of school and have been a part of a studio for many years. And then I have other students that have never set foot in a dance studio and are taking it for the first time. So I really make sure that my classes are applicable to all different types of backgrounds. And then I also make sure that when I'm teaching the dance forms, that they are more community-based. So like right now I'm teaching an African hip-hop class at both the middle and high school level. Um, not only do I love African dance because it's so upbeat and it's hard to be upset when you're African dancing. Like It's so true. It's just <laughs> joyful. I love it so much. <laughs> and so I love bringing that joy to my students. Um, and I love pairing it with hip hop because hip hop derived from African dance. And so for a lot of students, it's fun for them to make those connections of even like mainstream media, like right now, Michael Jackson has been spoken a lot in our classrooms because, you know, Halloween is upon us and students want to learn thriller. So we're going to add that into the curriculum. Um, but we were talking about how some of our African movements look like some of the movements that are done in thriller. And I was talking about all of these connections that kind of comes back to these tribal dance forms and how it's important for us to keep these connections and cultures alive. Because unfortunately, with a lot of forms like African and hip hop, there's a lot of whitewashing that occurs. And so I'm really trying to make sure that when I'm teaching, especially a form like hip hop, that I'm teaching it in the way that it should be taught to my students, talking about all of the culture and historical events that have occurred that have given us hip hop culture that we have today. Um, so I think it's just a really fun class to kind of delve into and understand like where you've come from, if you can connect to those different cultures and what those dance forms look like. I also really like teaching yoga as well, too. Um, and when I teach forms like ballet or modern that are a little more in the theatrical realm of dance, I make sure that there are moments for like exploration and play, because it's really difficult to learn those theatrical forms when you are an adult. So I like to make sure that I'm teaching basics, but then allowing my students in the class that do have the background, that they can dive into it more. Um, I give them more challenging combinations where with my beginner friends, we're just kind of playing and figuring out how our bodies move in space. I love that. I love too how you talked about 
you know, the importance of honoring the cultural roots of dance, but also making it inclusive for everyone. And as I understand it, you know, your classes aren't just girls. Like there's boys, a lot of boys breaking a move, (laughs) making skin sweaty. Yes. And I I love that. Just to have people explore it and not be afraid of it. So often people you think, oh, I didn't, you know, take dance lessons since I was young. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like we all like music. We like the beat. Like let's move our bodies. Yes. And I always remind my students because I have a lot that will come to me and say, oh, I didn't take your class because I don't know how to dance. I'm like, well, then you should take my class and you can learn how to dance. It's like taking driver's ed or any other class, like you're taking that class to learn how to do it. No one expects you to have those skills upon entering the room. And so I'm really trying my best to get, you know, students who are new to dance to come into my classroom and yeah, and to make, you know, men feel comfortable too, because I think a lot of times we have a connotation attached to dance that we think it's just for females. And when we look at it historically and culturally, dance was only for men. Um, Back in tribal days, women were not allowed to dance. Um, And so there's been quite a big flip with that. Um, But I think it's important for guys to move and to get that energy out. I think they need it most than anybody. I think that whole element of opening doors and crossing boundaries is so important. Speaking of crossing boundaries and extending yourself and growing out of your comfort zone, you currently have a piece of work, of artwork, at the John Michael Kohler Arts Center that involves dance as well as some other things. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Um, I really wanted to explore other ways for me to grow professionally. Um, I love my job with the A2 group schools. I am so thankful that I get to be a part of these schools every single day. Um, But I was just kind of noticing these last few years, just like having this urge to create, to do things in dance that wasn't a part of my daily routine. Um, So I was just kind of putting myself out there in different ways, seeing what would come my way. And I was super happy when I submitted a proposal to the Art Center to be a part of their regional response um, exhibition that they have currently up at the Art Center. And I took a whim, not knowing what would happen even with this proposal and if they would take it or not. But I proposed making a dance film based on Zahn's Bird Park. And I made my own dance called Birds at Play. And it's really focusing in on my daughters and my relationship with them. And just also looking at um, just like kind of like mother daughters, this like fleeting moment of you have these kids in this moment of time, and you're trying to help them and teach them and shape them and mold them, knowing that one day, you know, they're, they're going to kind of go off on their own and, and do their own thing. And And our dance not only looks at that, but then also looks at just birds in the environment. So it was really special because I not only got to have my girls be a part of it, but they were able to help me create the choreography for it as well, too. Um, And it's also a nice ode to my mom as well. Um, She had a big influence on me growing up. She was a dancer herself. And so I've always been wanting to make something for her. And it's been really hard to do that for her. She's been gone 13 years and it's it's still difficult for me to live life without her. She was my best friend. So I felt like this was an opportunity for me to thank her um, for our time together and to thank her for passing on that love of dance to me. And I'm hoping that now I'm passing it on to my daughters and just was a really beautiful moment to like have this thing that I did together with my daughters. It's at the art center 
that's amazing. I have such connections with the Art Center personally and professionally. And it's just, I don't know, a serendipitous moment. I'm just super happy about it. It's it's something special too, I think when, you know, because you're a teacher as well, you're often teaching and it's hard to take time out of that, especially being a mother, to create your own work. But it's so meaningful and wonderful when you actually get that chance. So I'm, I'm glad you did. And now it's out there for the public to enjoy. How long will the your piece be at the Art Center? It's here. It's there right now until January. Yeah, end of January. So um, when February hits, they'll be, um, I believe, taking that exhibit down to get ready for Youth Art Month. Okay. And now a quick word from our sponsor. When I was little, my parents used to read fairy tales to me, and it made me feel so connected to them and to the power of stories. I've kept this tradition going with my own kids. We read to each other every night, and it's a wonderful opportunity to kind of bond together and slow down. Some of our favorite stories are Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Anything by Mo Willem, The Boxcar Children, and We're Going on a Bear Hunt. We are so grateful that Sheboygan finally has an independent bookstore. The selection of books for both kids and adults at Wordhaven Bookhouse is exactly what we've been craving. And the cozy, warm feeling of the shop makes us want to hang out for hours. We are huge fans of the shop dogs, Rue and Daphne, and of the owner, Kelly. Just like myself, Kelly used to be a high school English teacher. She's also the Minnesota State Teacher of the Year, a published author, and a consultant of Equity 2.0 Writing and Communications. You can visit the shop in downtown Sheboygan at 923 North A Street, right next to Rupp's. You can purchase books from their online bookshop at kellydholstein.com. Also go online to check out their shop hours and to learn about all of their awesome events, classes, and workshops. If you have a writer in your house, they seriously need to get to Wordhaven Bookhouse. See ya at Wordhaven Bookhouse. Um, And like you mentioned, I know you've done a lot of collaboration with the John Michael Kohler Art Center, working with visiting artists, visiting dance companies. Tell us a little bit about that. And then also, I'd love to hear a little bit more, too, about how you worked with UW-Milwaukee's Peck School of the Arts. Sure. Yeah, so with the Art Center, I have been working with their dance program for like the last 15 years. That program has definitely kind of shifted and changed within these last recent years. Just kind of noticing that in the community, there already are so many different dance studios Um, out there that the art center is really trying to find ways where they can still like supplement dance to the community that's in a different way than what's already established. So I have had the honor of working with them when they have these visiting dance residencies that come in. And I've had the privilege of being kind of like the community director who works with the community members that want to be a part of these dance residencies. I'm kind of like the middleman between the art center and these dance residencies running rehearsals and things while um, the artists are away. And then I get everybody ready for the big show when the artists come back. So that's been a lot of fun to do throughout the years and just being able to be part of their dance program and um, teach classes to kids outside of what I already do during the day. That's been really fun. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the Peck school of the arts. Yeah. So the Peck school of the arts, 
Um, I was able to come in for a few years when they were still doing the dance education program. So unfortunately, um, a lot of arts programming has been cut from a lot of schools. Um, I think about, you know, the Milwaukee public school system. And for a while there, their own arts schools didn't have the arts. And so they had to take away the dance education program then from UW-Milwaukee's dance department because there just weren't jobs. It wasn't worth it to train these dancers to be dance educators when there wasn't anything in the schools. Because when you own a dance studio or work at a dance studio, you don't necessarily need to have a teaching degree. You know, dance studios are looking for people who know how to dance. Um, I think having an education um, and a license definitely ups your, you know, credentials, but you don't necessarily need that to teach in a studio. So they had taken that program away. They just started to implement it back in now that more jobs are opening up again. So I was doing it when they were still having um, the education program. And so I was lucky I was able to come in and, and work with dancers who were interested in becoming a dance educator. I was able to run different workshops with them to like essentially help them be a dance educator. So I'd run them through different lesson plans, talk about my school. I had some students even come up and observe a few times. I've had student teachers through UW-Milwaukee through the dance department come up and work with me as well too. Um, so it's been nice. I've been able to kind of bridge uh, those two worlds together. Molly, I love that you were able to train some of the future dance teachers of the world. As I recall in the UW Peck School of the Arts Dance Training Program, um, they had a really neat track that was all about connecting the mind and body and specifically connecting how movement is so integral to learning. And one of the things I remember you guys doing is going out into the schools and working with students doing movement exercises in order to activate their brains. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's often a, a dance side that people aren't aware of. Yeah. Um, one of the things I did in college was work with Dr. Marsha Parsons um, with a team of other dance majors. Um, and we went into the school setting and we essentially performed very basic movement routines with the kids. Um, something that Dr. Marsha Parsons was trying to, I mean, it's kind of out there already in research is that lack of movement results in lack of um, learning, essentially. And so when you start to pull out, you know, recess from elementary school, or we start to put more focus on testing and not getting kids moving, we were noticing like a decrease in um, knowledge and um, information being processed and things like that. So yeah, and kids who are so focused on their phones now and computers and video games, you know, they're like just working their thumbs and their eyes are staying forward and they're not utilizing uh, the muscles in their body to the potential that they can have. And so when you have a strong core, you're going to be more alert. If you have a weak core, you're going to essentially just kind of continue to like slink down and sleep and, you know, and not be uh, active or attentive. Um, so Dr. Parsons was really just trying to figure out what are some simple movements that activate the brain, that get us refocused, that gets everyone kind of re-energized. Um, and so she did a lot of research in the midline and crossing the midline and how your hemispheres, your right and left hemisphere of your brain are cross-wired. So if your right hemisphere of your brain is 
obviously in charge of the left hand side. And if we aren't activating those hemispheres, essentially your body isn't going to communicate and do what you're expecting it to do. Um, so crossing the midline, just doing simple movements allows the body to get re-energized um, and make those connections necessary for learning. Well, Molly, you've already done some amazing things with your career so far. What's in the future? What Would you have any goals, dreams for the next five years, 10 years? That's a really great question. I think my next adventure, I would love to um, be a part of either like the Wisconsin Dance Council or to be a part of the National Dance um, for Education organization. Um, I would love to get like my feet kind of wet uh, being a part of some sort of a board. So we'll see if, if I get there, but I'd like to grow professionally in that and continue to mentor and help other dance educators. I would also like to get the dance company back, but I just, I, I keep coming back to that. I know Zach will, you know, Zach has two sisters. Um, Zach's my husband for people that don't know. Um, so he's been a part of a lot of dance recitals in his day and he was a good sport and came to our, you know, sixth street, sixth street dance company, uh, performances. And he'll make little jokes every now and then, like he'll remember a movement that we did or something. He'll do it in, you know, in the palace and he'll make fun. But he also said like, I really enjoyed watching you and your girlfriends dance and like do what you loved doing. Um, and I feel like when we kind of dissipated, it's like when we started, I don't know, getting our families and getting. Very true. For those listeners who are unaware, Molly, myself, and several other amazing young women were part of a dance company called Sixth Street Dance Company. And we performed at various events throughout the Sheboygan County. Uh, this was several years ago before we had children. Exactly. So I want to get that back because I enjoy being creative this past summer for the art center. And I realized like, that's what I'm missing. Like I create every day for my students and that's awesome that I get to do that, but I don't get to create a lot for myself for the joy of me just dancing and, and performing. And so doing that dance film for the art center kind of put that like need for more creative moments and yeah, let's get the company back together. <laughs> If you'd like to learn more about Molly King, her work as an artist, as a dancer, or as a dance teacher at the Etude Schools group, please check the show notes. I'll have links to all of those places so you can get in contact with her. As always, thank you for listening to You Betcha She Did. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. The more positive reviews we get, the easier it is for listeners to find our show. And when more listeners find our show... We're spreading the word of amazing women entrepreneurs and leaders and lifting women up all over the world. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.